Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Oh, good Father, we are thankful for your word, Lord, that you have humbled us, that you have fed us as you have fed those in the wilderness with manna. Lord, that we seek not to be able to live on bread alone, but Lord, we seek to be able to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Lord, help us to do that, for our minds often are only focused on the physical. Lord, help us to see that our spiritual souls might be perishing for the lack of food in which we have received. But Lord, we pray that you would feed us this very evening. Feed us from your word that we might be able to have much to meditate on and much to contemplate, much to hope in as we hear about the glorious good news of the gospel. In all of this, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for your word. We pray that you'd be here with us this evening through the work of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 to chapter 2, verse 10. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word, Please take heed how you hear. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All the waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet... You brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay, salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and had vomited Jonah out upon the dry sea. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. I'm going to ask a question to begin, but before you answer the question, I want you to think twice about your answer. Have you ever lied in church? Now, I think we all have at some point. And if you have, if you say you have not, I would then ask the question again Have you ever lied in church? And then think about your answer again. Now, I want to provide that we have all lied in church, and I want to summarize that we've all done that by singing one hymn, one actual line of a hymn. And in that, we have lied. That line is the first line of the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. 
Now, some of us might have had that feeling in our lives, but to truly think of praying for an hour might not be defined by the adjective sweet. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that if we've ever had any difficulty in prayer, it's if, if you have never had any difficulty in prayer, it's absolutely certain that you have never prayed. I think we read through the story of Jonah and we think, what a great story. I am glad that I am not like Jonah. However, the reality is when we learn more about him, we find out we are more like Jonah than we'd like to admit. The Jonah in the belly of a sea creature utters a prayer. And we seek to be able to tonight look at certain aspects of this prayer. The time, the place, the what, the who. We'll begin by looking at the time. The time of prayer. Now, when I speak of the time of prayer, I mean to speak uh, of the hour that the prayer is. I don't mean to speak of that hour. But I mean to speak of the sense of the timing of the prayer. First, we should notice how long it has been for Jonah to utter any sense of any form of prayer. There has been ample time for his heart to be probed and he to be able to see his sin and his folly. But he does not cry out to God as he heads towards Joppa. He does not cry out to God for forgiveness as he's waiting to board the ship heading towards Tarshish. He does not cry out when the storm begins or even as the storm becomes more and more tumultuous. He does not cry out to God when other sailors on the ship begin to throw things overboard. Or everybody else is crying out to their gods. He does not cry out to God when the captain even comes down to the lower part of the deck and wakes him up and says, Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give thought to us and we might not perish. He does not utter a prayer after the dice fall and the finger is pointed at him. He does not utter a prayer as the the sailors begin to row harder and harder, trying merely just to save their conscience before throwing him overboard. Not once during this time do we have any sense that he is seeking to be able to fall on his knees and cry out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, a sinner. Not once do we see Jonah's heart move towards prayer. And again, it's not that Jonah is ignorant of all this. Jonah has passed Theology 101. He knows who God is. When he speaks of God, he utters truth. And yet, he only prays when he finds himself in the belly of this sea creature which the Lord has appointed to swallow him up. Now, before I make another comment, is this not what we do as well? Before we point the finger at Jonah and mockingly laugh at him, is this not the reaction we often have? Is not to be able to first fall down on our knees and pray? But we try everything else. We go to great lengths even to avoid praying. We avoid falling on our knees. And it is often that we are driven to our knees in prayer. And before we hang our heads in shame, this is not just us ourselves. We need to be reminded that this sinful nature is true of all people in all generations. That we seek to be our own rulers and in control. 
Philip Melanchthon said, trouble and perplexity drive me to prayer. And prayer drives away perplexity and trouble. Or Martin Luther said that God delights in our temptations, and yet he hates them. He delights in them when they drive us to prayer, but he hates them when they drive us to despair. Even Abraham Lincoln pointed out that he prayed only when he could do nothing more. He said, I have many times been driven to my knees by the utter conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Let us pray. That the Spirit would help us to pray. That we would not see prayer as a last defense, but as the first offense. One other aspect that is hard to know exactly when Jonah prayed. Was he swallowed by the sea creature, then he prayed and spent three days and three nights in the belly? Or was he swallowed and spent three days and three nights in the belly of the creature before he then prayed? The text is very clear about where the prayer is uttered, but I do not think it's exactly clear about when. If it is the first he swallowed and then prayed, he was swallowed, prayed, and then three days and three nights, then we could learn that from out of prayer that we see that prayer is not answered immediately. Jonah, although he has prayed, was waiting to see if God would fulfill his answer to prayer. However, I do believe it's the latter. That it seeks, that the narrative seeks to be able to, and then the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah out. That there's this progression that the three days and three nights is mentioned before he even prays. Then what we learn is that that is not Jonah's faithfulness to see that he is waiting, but his stubbornness as he is waiting. His stubbornness to be able to go to the Lord in prayer. But either way, we see that what takes place for Jonah to be driven to God in prayer is not all of these terrible things which he has seen, which he understands. But it takes him to be swallowed by this great sea creature before he even thinks about uttering his prayer. Secondly, we must see the place of prayer. The place of prayer. Jonah has been swallowed alive by this great sea creature. He has refused to pray to God, but he only finds himself in the belly of the sea creature. Then he prays. Why is this important? I think as we see the time of prayer shows Jonah's stubbornness, then the place of prayer shows God's sovereign reach. Jonah was seeking to run away from God and God's presence. He thought, let me run as far away as I could. Now, I think even further than Tarshish might be is not horizontally far, but deep. That he goes into the belly of the ship ship to be able to seek refuge, to seek to be able to escape the Lord. But even there in the belly of the ship, the Lord showed that he can still reach him. And now Jonah is not in the belly of the ship which is sat below the sea level, but in the belly of a sea creature in the depths of the sea. We see that God is still able to reach and hear 
Jonah. Jonah mentions this throughout his prayer, that you cast me into the deep in the heart of the sea, the, the flood surrounded me. And then again, in verse 5, the deep surrounded me, the weeds wrapped around my heads as the root of the mountains. I went down to the land, the, the bars closed upon me forever. Here he is speaking of how deep he is, how far he is from, from the surface of the water and this darkness in which he has descended. And yet God is still able to hear him. The psalmist puts it this way. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? I ascend to the heaven and you are there. I make my bed in Sheol and that you are there. Jonah would put it this way. I called out to the Lord in verse 2 out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. He emphasizes there the, the, the place where he finds himself in the belly of Sheol. The God whom Jonah has been running from to escape his presence is the God whose presence he needs to be able to hear him. Jonah in the depths of the sea. At this point in history, I'm sure the person who has gone the deepest into into the sea. What a great and glorious truth that we find in this passage that no matter where we are, that we can still pray to God. Now, I'm sure Jonah would have been wrestling with himself mentally as he sat in the belly of the sea creature. Do you think God will listen to you as he utters in this internal voice because you did not listen to him? Do you think you deserve to be heard? Do you think you, have your chance, you had your chance to pray? Why would God show you mercy? Why would God even want to hear what you have to say? You call yourself a prophet, but you do not merely act like one. You've had your chance to cry out. Even if God was to hear you, why would he answer you? But we have this prayer in our Bible. And one of the great things we have in our Bibles is how different this would have been if Jonah had not prayed that God didn't listen or even answer his prayer. Maybe one day there would have been a giant sea creature discovered with a man inside, with a man inside of his stomach. But yet, we see that it's not the case. We do have this prayer. The Lord has recorded this story for us to show us that it's never too late to pray. There is never a wrong place to pray. That God is able to be able to hear us. That we should see that we are just like Jonah. As long as we have breath in our lungs, we always have the chance to pray. Although I would never encourage you to leave things to last minute. Because Jonah was not guaranteed the safety of the sea creature. But we should see if Jonah was able to pray and speak to God even through though he has been trying to avoid him for so long that we can and we should as well. If you have been avoiding prayer because you have been avoiding prayer, there is never a better time than to start. Prolonging prayer is never the answer and never makes it better. Thomas Brooks says, 
God, who has made a promise to late repentance, has made no promise of late repentance. That though true repentance is never too late, yet late repentance is seldom true. Let's take all our cares to the Lord in prayer. The third thing is the what of prayer. Now we'll spend more time looking at this next time. But as we seek to be able to look at this prayer in detail. However, let me simply point out some key terms that Jonah gives us in this prayer. Spurgeon pointed out the disciples came up and did not ask Jesus, teach them to preach. But rather they came up and asked him, teach us to pray. And so too I think it is true of us that the Bible, as long, along with Jesus' prayer, helps us to be able to teach us how we are to pray. And this prayer found in Jonah 2 is a great example of how we can learn how to pray. But here we see three things. We see a confession and repentance of Jonah's sin. We see a deliverance and dependence from his Savior. And we see a worship and gratitude towards his God. And here we see, I think, more of the key parts of the prayer that we often overlook. Confession and repentance, deliverance and dependence, worship and gratitude. How often our prayers are merely just a list of things that we seek to be able to make us or others better. James Bruckner said, The amazing context of this poetic prayer is Jonah's gratitude while inside the fish. He fully expected to die in the water. His thanksgiving within the belly of the fish is a proclamation of joy with the realization that God has delivered him in spite of his running. Look at more of these in detail next time. But we should seek to be able to learn to pray. We're to focus on these three aspects. Then we might actually see and be able to discover how that sweet hour of prayer comes become sweet. But lastly, we see the who of prayer. In all of this, I think we have a lot to be able to think and to be able to contemplate about. But I want to point out one more thing that we see in this passage. That is the who Jonah is praying to. Out of all these things, we see Jonah does. We see one thing that is clear. He does not call out to God when the sailors or the captain tell him. Now we might think that although he calls himself a Hebrew, we should not believe that he is not a believer. He tells the sailors that he fears the Lord, the maker of heaven, the sea, and the dry land. However, we then might assume that he is some form of backslider. Now this is a possibility. However, we find in this passage great truth that I pray we would take comfort that we are more like Jonah than we want to admit. Not only in avoiding turning and the Lord in prayer, but thinking we have not earned God's ear to pray, or even knowing what to say. But notice this. In all of the passage makes it clear that Jonah is a believer and a true believer. Jonah is not surrounded by people. He has no meaning to be able to utter words of lies. He's at his end. 
But we see in verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. That is his God he prays to. Now it might be a late prayer. It might be a strange place of prayer. It might be a good prayer. But we understand that Jonah still prays to his God. Or again in verse 6. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, and yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. That we see in all of this, all of Jonah's rebellion and running, his avoidance of God, trying to flee the presence of the Lord, does not separate him from the love of God. Jonah teaches us that we can pray and should pray. It's never too late to pray. And the focus then is not on us, but who we are then praying to. Jonah is running from God because he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But it is exactly because God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, that Jonah is able to pray to him from the belly of the sea creature. When we become self-centered and arrogant, when we think that we are too great a sinner for God to hear us in our prayer, What we're doing is we're seeking to elevate ourselves even in our wrong that we do and able to minimize God's mercy and grace as we come towards Him in prayer. Charles Spurgeon says, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make this space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. Or to rephrase the statement in Jonah's context. God's mercy is so great that you may sooner seek to flee to Tarshish or be in the depths of the sea than be too far away from God's merciful hand and His gracious ear. That we see, even in this prayer, This glorious truth of what we find in Jonah, that he is seeking to be able to run from God as far as he can. But yet it is this context which drives him to prayer, which God uses to be able to deliver his means and his purpose in which he has accomplished. If we seek to be able to have this attitude as we go to the Lord in prayer, to be able to lay things out, then we might be able to say truthfully what a sweet hour of prayer it is. But often it is not sweet because we are brought to our knees. Often it is not sweet because we seek to be able to find it in the most difficult and uncomfortable position rather than going to Him first. But if we understand the who, then we understand why it is in fact a sweet hour of prayer. Or as the hymn put it, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear, 
What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. We're in verse stanza two. It says, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load to care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he will take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. We pray that we might be able to pray more and have a heart of prayer to be able to see God move and to be able to take all our cares to him. Well, let's do that now as we go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise for passages such as this that we see your sovereign hand at work, that we see the realities of those who have gone before us, this great cloud of witnesses, that we find that their struggles are our struggles too, that we find that often our lives do not seek to be able to go to you in prayer, first and foremost, but we seek to be able to fix the problems which lay before us. But, Lord, we are often just driven to despair. But, Lord, we pray that you would help us to have this heart of prayer that we might go to you. Lord, to be able to see the truth that you are a God who can hear our prayers, even in the darkest and deepest parts of this world, that we can go no place where you are not there. We pray that you would seek our hearts would be changed to be able to utter prayers to you we would put our trust and our faith in you that although we might find ourselves in the darkest place that you would still hear our prayer and that we would still have the ability and the heart to be able to utter our prayers to you our God and my God we pray all these things and lay them humbly at your feet in Christ's precious and holy name we pray amen Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.